What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Uh, you can shop with them and use our code THINK to get some additional savings. Of course, that helps to support our programming. I also want to give a shout out to everybody who has been taking part in our Patreon. Uh, that's definitely helping to support the channel. Um, Dave, this is the, what did you call it? The oral episode? Yes. We're going to talk about blowjobs. He's going to make jokes like this all episode. I'm warning you now. Says who? I might not. Because you've been doing it for the last 15 minutes. Why would you stop just because we hit the button? Because I was just getting it out of my system. <laughs> I'm a child. I can't help it. What, what can I say? Before we get You're started, today, Scott. Uh, and we, do, we have several questions that were about oral steroids, such as oxy. That's how you pronounce it, right? Oxy. Did I get that right? Uh, no, 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 just don't talk to me. <laughs> um, I do have to admit something. I may have made a mistake uh, uploading the latest episode. Uh, what did you do? Uh, where's this at? Maybe I threw it out. It looked kind of. This is what our um, this is what our cover looked like. Yeah, actually, that you was keep my using that. And uh, yeah, that yeah, that, that didn't look very good, Scott. That didn't look professional. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, one of our listeners actually, I actually had like two iterations of this before I got it right. I'm like hustling to get this stuff out on Monday morning. There's like a zillion things going on. And so I spell one thing wrong that is very important, including our title slide. Uh, yeah. So I just want to give a shout out. So to you don't only spell anabolic wrong. You get the white line around my image wrong. What do you mean the white line around your image? Well, look at it. it should, should, my image should be pushed so it's neat against the blue background. What's that stupid white line? Well, listen, when people look at it on YouTube, it's like this big. You're texting again, aren't you? It's like that big. And? So. Yeah, I am. Nobody really sees it. All right. Well, we'll if you can't you. put a title, if look, if you can't put a title correctly, then why can't I text for a second just to tell someone to piss off I'm recording the podcast? We'll wait. We'll wait patiently while Dave Good. texts his friends. I don't have any friends. Oh, no surprise. Why does that not surprise yeah. me? Maybe if you had a better attitude. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> All right. We'll rip into this. Like I said, we have um, we have a ton of questions, guys. If we can't get to all of them, I do apologize because there are a lot. Uh, and we appreciate everything that you guys comment. All your comments, those are the questions we use for our programs. So uh, if we don't get to your question, please repost it. We will try to tackle it in the future. So I've got a few, like I said, questions about oral steroids back to back, and we will start <coughs> here. He says, uh, thanks for answering my last question. Um, a topic for next whoa, 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 week. Hang on, mate. Has he contributed to the patronage? Mm, I don't know. Well, he only gets one question then. Fuck him off. Next one. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> he says, I recently heard orals being used in the post-workout to drive anabolism, which he spelled correctly, 
and more recover and more recovery. By the way, shout out to PW. He was the one who brought it to my attention that I did not spell anabolic correctly. Thank you, PW. Um, what's your take on this strategy, gents? Consider uh, then maybe a pre and post intake as well, as it would make even more sense, in my opinion. Hey, why not just take it all day at that point? Let me ask you this, Dave. If you take it pre, it's still going to be there post, right? Yeah, I mean, even a fast. So if the fastest acting oil we we generally use is a four hour half life. Yeah. And what would that be? the the issue the issue is that say let's for argument say that fifty milligrams is a generalized middle of the range dosing for most orals. Okay. Taking twenty five mig pre and twenty five mig post does water down the peak level to some degree there's some nice there is a very nice study showing how a single dose of an oral now this is in an oral only scenario Mm. uh creates much higher peak levels and as a result creates a much better anabolic response Mm. um now obviously when you've got a base of an injectable in on that as well it does change the dynamics a little bit but i'm still I believe that oral should be dosed singularly. Um, this is one of them situations, in my opinion, where I think real world, it's going to make absolutely fuck all difference. Hmm. But if you want to do it, it's not particularly going to cause you any problems either. So I don't see anything risky about it. I just don't see any benefit from it in the real world environment. I, I mean... I was going to say, I've used orals both ways, spreading them out through the day um, or spreading them out in some fashion versus taking them all at once. I do think with some orals, the benefit of taking them all at once is that you may, quote unquote, feel it in your workout faster Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. first, you know, those early those early days, those, you know, the first week or so versus if you split it up, it may take over a week before you're like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm in it. But regardless, when you say like real world difference between taking it pre and post versus taking it all at once, I wonder if taking it all at once versus splitting it up two times a day, say morning and afternoon, I wonder if you would even see results difference in that, because I understand what you're saying, you know, higher peak levels, but you know, I, I, I the, 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 the thing from a pre-workout situation is um, there is a potential increase in performance. Uh, it ah. wouldn't be massive, but there is a potential increase in performance. Sure. There's definitely a, an increase in most cases in pump, blood flow, that sort of thing. Uh, is there a real-world impact resulting from that in, in extra growth? Probably not, or nothing that's going to be particularly substantial. Um, I don't think it's going to have a major impact in the same way. I don't think this is going to have a major impact. I, I just, it, it gets a little bit, um, I mean, it brings us back to sort of last week question about monitoring blood levels when on cycle. Okay. And one thing we didn't touch in, but we discussed off there was that how are you going to monitor blood levels for trend or for a DHT or for True. EQ? because they're not going to show. Uh, and again, it just comes back to this. You know what? The biggest problem with a lot of people is that they try and over-science because they're looking for this 
special trick, this special formula, this special cycle that's going to change the world. And the bottom line is, taking the genetics to one side, the thing that's going to change the world is fucking hard work. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, there are certain things that have an impact and, and, and a pre-oral dose into a workout would definitely have an impact on how the workout felt. How much of that carries over into increased gains? Well, it, it's, it's very difficult to say because you can't rewind the clock and go again. Uh, but if you're enjoying your workouts and you feel your workouts are positive, then that in its own right is probably going to result in better performance and, and a better result overall because we know what it's like. We always exceed better when our training is on point and we feel like our training is being beneficial. Sure. Um, our growth will reduce when we're slugging through mud when it comes to us training and we're not enjoying it or we just not feel like we're getting anything out of it. So I don't think there's much point but at the same time, if it floats your boat and it makes you feel like you're covering every base, then crack on because crack it on. isn't just like about chemical management. It isn't just about things like that. There's also a psychological management to progression as well. Crack on, Dave. Mm. Crack on. I just wanted to say it. Um, you know what else? Like, here's, here's a benefit. If you're like me and it's you're bothered to take anything, then one time a day is a lot more easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that element. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Here's our oral number two question. Um, I think it is at least. It's an injectable oral. Running injectable D-ball, 25 mil, I think it means milligrams on gym I days. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one big needle. <laughs> Yes. Um, with test E, 0.2 every day. Uh, and the D ball to keep estrogen low as high test gives me. Okay, so he's keeping the test low, running that at 0.2 along with the D ball. He says he's doing this to keep test low as high test gives me gyno. So about. 80 milliliters. I think he means 80 milligrams of test per week. Yes, of test E. Um, he's also using NPP every other day, uh, half and half. Oh, God. He's got a lot of different shit going on here, which is, this is hurting my brain, Dave. Right. So hang on. Let's just deal with it one bit at a time. So okay. he's running an injectable D ball. We yep. are assuming that that is 25 milligram on a gym day. Okay. No problem with that. Good pre workout. We'll be in quite fast. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Um, point two of a mil of test is not going to work out at 80 milligrams of test a week. No. That's going to be a lot more. So. Well, let's see. Yeah. It depends on how it's dosed. Two, even if, well, if it's 200, even right, let's go 200 milligram, which is which the lowest slow acting you're going to get. You yeah. don't see tests generally dose less than 200. So 200 milligram, so 0.2 is 40 milligrams a day. Yeah. So it's 280 milligrams a week. I mean, it's low test dose, but it's not 80. 160? If he's getting, say, 40 a day and he's doing that it's every... Not, oh, oh, he's sorry, doing it every day. day. He's doing it every day. Every day. day. It's not EOD. Yeah, it's every day. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of tests. So it's two eighty. Well, it's not high, is it? I mean, it's two eighty milligram a week. But the the point is, it, it's yes, you'll get a slightly lower peak off the back of the injection. But you're you're 
when blood plasma stabilizes, there's not going to be a huge difference in, in dosing. Yeah. I think this anyway, is... and then we go on to every other day he does MPP half and half a millideca. So MPP is most likely 50 milligrams, 75 at a push. Uh, deca is most likely 150 milligrams, 100 to 150 milligrams. And he's doing that every other day. Yeah. He says, uh, we'll take out D-ball eight weeks later and NPP out four weeks, four weeks when DECA yeah, has, fully, has fully kicked in. Um, then we'll just do test at 250 milligrams. Milli he means milligrams a week and DECA at 400 milligrams per week for another eight weeks. Two weeks into cycle and so far so good. Can you comment? My comment is this looks really complicated. Un Actually, I, I don't think it overly is. I, I, I think effectively mm. what he's doing is he's microdosing up to about four weeks so that levels start to even and plateau. Then he's switching to, to less frequent, so one, one or two shots a week to maintain those levels without having the, the high peaks and trough at the beginning of the cycle from single weekly shots. So I don't think it's overly complex. Um, I think it's probably a little over the top with the space, and I don't think it needs to be that that microdosed. That's what I mean. Just uh, the, the I, whole thing as a whole is very. I understand he's really thought this out, and I think that the thought that went into this it, it was a lot. I mean, the, the one thing you're going to get from this is you're not going to well, or not get should I say you should find. A point of view of stuff like immune response, size, test flu, things like that, they're just not going to creep up because you're going to have such a gradual ease in. Um, it, it will have some impact on conversion of estrogen because you're not going to get that high spike that's then going to trigger conversion high early and, and then it's going to drop off later on. Um, it will, everything will be much more stable. And by the time it comes down to the later weeks, sort of week four onwards, uh, then blood plasma should be reasonably stable and he should be fine to carry on. So it's not it's not terrible in that sense. I just think it may be a little bit over the top and you've probably got away with EOD rather than ED on stuff. Um, but, yeah, I don't see a – so that's not an oral question. Your balls look completely there. You just read D-ball and didn't read the rest of the question. I thought you? it was injectable D-ball, so I just I – Yeah, but you just it, read D-ball and you didn't bother reading anything else. Oxy. Oxy. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'll i say this. It, it strikes a personal chord with me uh, for this reason. Uh, early on, I was, I was very aware of my timing on stuff, and I would plan cycles – to start with short asters while the long asters built. And I, I, I made things, in my opinion, it, in my experience now, I'd say earlier on I made things a lot more complicated than they needed to be when the end results, had I just say started the DECA in the test from the beginning, um, it, it complicated things a lot more than it, it, it had to be without additional benefits. Um, I would think... you. I mean, if he has issues with this stuff, then maybe just stick with lower doses, well, you know, and, yeah, I mean, and build they're, they're, from there. But I'm just thinking it's a, it's a lot of a lot of shots, a lot of complication. I don't think that the results will be even better. And I think that you could still manage these side effects 
without this level of complication. If he's sensitive to estrogen, Debo would be the last oral I'd be looking at using. I will say that. Yeah, that when would, he said that, that be very low down. That's a good point. But yeah. but he's he's test dosing at two fifty effectively, uh, and the Decker at four hundred, which is what this settles down to, is a six hundred and fifty mega week cycle. It is you know it's it is a low cycle. It's nothing astronomical. Sure. Uh, but it's all it's also nothing to do with an oral only, which is what we're supposed to be discussing. So. Come on, sort it out. I don't think we ever said all only, Dave. We never said You said it only. was the oral episode. I didn't say this is the oral only episode, Dave. Oh, so you're making excuses now for your lack of professionalism. <laughs> yes. All right. If you I can't see, work with this amateur anymore. Please. If you want to see lack of better. professionalism, uh let me just bring this back for a minute. There. <laughs> There's some lack of professionalism right there. Um, Anna Bloik. So this week's Anna Bloik episode. All right. What do we have here? <coughs> okay. What do you guys think uh, about crushing your oxy and taking it sublingually, uh, dosing it three days on at 50 milligrams morning and 50 milligrams night and four days off? Could this be a more sustainable way to use it? No. I wonder what he's thinking. Why? Why is he thinking this would be a, the the space? I, I I guess the the idea of sublingual obviously is that you go in through the blood vessels under the tongue. It goes into your bloodstream, so you bypass the digestion issues, which means you bypass it binding with non dietary fat, and you losing some of the oral for your digestive. But the the simple solution to that is take it on an empty stomach or take it with a healthy fat. And then it will bind with a healthy fat and get absorbed through your gut anyway, so there won't be a major issue. But obviously, gut absorption from orals is a little bit of a, 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 a weak link in the chain of administration. Uh, I've seen no sense to three on four off. I don't yeah. understand. If this is trying to minimize sides, I think I th- you know I like oxys, anadrol, whatever you want to call them, nat 50s, um, the droll. But I, I do think that as a drug, it's a very misunderstood drug. So you hear people saying, oh, Oxy gave me gyno. Well, it, it doesn't. It's a DHT. So how? You know? <laughs> oh, it caused this, it caused that. And, and it, it gets a bad rep for a lot of stuff when, when in fact, most of it's unfounded. Um, so this may be uh, an idea of trying to offset toxicity from the drug. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be no more stressful than taking 50 milligrams of D-Ball or 50 milligrams of T-Ball or 50 milligrams of Anavar from that point of view. It's still going to go through the liver. It's still going to stress the liver. Uh, and, you know, Oxy, out of all the orals that we see used, is probably used more in medicine than any of the others. Hmm. You see, you see Anadrol or Oxy used regularly for treatment of anemia in, in kids, in women, in adults, in, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's not a rare drug to see where we don't see overprescription of the other orals so much. So that should be telling somebody something about, about the, the potential dangers associated with Oxy. Um, it is no more or no less the, particularly than any other oral. Uh, is the bottom line of it, unless you start getting to sort of N-Tren and ALOs and stuff mm. like that, where they are incredibly stressful. Uh, but I I don't see the logic in, in having an elevated androgen level for three days on a drug that has a half-life of nine hours and then having four days of just seeing that level drop to nothing. I agree. It, it, it just see, it's, doesn't seem 
in beneficial. And this is a, a, an idea of trying to offset perceived toxicity, then it's not really going to help things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that no matter how you're dosing it, that there's still an element of getting your some consistent day-to-day blood levels going. Whether, like we talked earlier about taking an oral just pre-workout, I think that if you want to see your best benefit from it, you have to be consistent with it. Um, you know, you're going to get your 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 most noticeable progress is going to be after you've been on it for like a couple weeks. You know, you're not going to mm-hmm. see it three three days in. Um, all right, I'm going to turn to the live feed here. So we got some stuff popping up. We've got a bunch of people that are uh, tuning in too. What's up, Lucas? He says he's actually on time today. Matt's joining us, and we had a excuse me a question here from a dude who is 18. I think we may have talked about this topic recently. Uh, his doctor prescribed him Clomid. Uh, he got tested, and his labs came back up. Do we think that this is a temporary rise? First question is, was the reduced testosterone a natural occurrence or was it anyway supplement induced? Yeah. Um, hey, Jay, how you doing, mate? Mr. Up, Jason Kodak has joined us. Yeah, maybe he'll answer us back about that. Um, but regardless, what, 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 so if it was temporarily suppressed due to then steroids. Then the would be a, a permanent fix but if it's knackered then the clomid will need to be an ongoing treatment in order to sustain elevated levels because something was wrong with the system so it would be like a band-aid basically yeah yeah okay oh i was 16 is... and stupid and ran a mini cycle so there is yeah. potential that this could fix the problem mate yes yeah yeah more power to him then too more power to him for trying to fix this versus just jumping on some sort of replacement you know Jason Corrick. Is he over there in your area? Yes, of the world? he is over there. He is a he is an Englishman nice. and a gentleman. The real English you. guy. We have a, a real, real English Engli- guy. A real English guy. Yeah. That's cool. All right. I'll jump back in here and see what else we've got. Like I said, we have a ton of questions. He's also a very accomplished bodybuilder. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Is he still competing? Uh I'm not sure you're competing again, Jay. Um, he's he's won the universe. Nice. Um, he's competed all around the world. Um, met a lot of the pros over the years as well on and off stage. That's cool. Okay, so Sergio asks us, uh, what would guys have to say about uh, cycles in some coaches saying that you should keep test at TRT and then blast other AAS? Um, or should test be high along with other AAS? I think, right, so I think with certain compounds, a low test approach works very, very well. Um, A lot of this depends on the complexity, one of the cycle and the problems with the drugs you're overrunning to it. So for argument's sake, we know that nandrolone's push prolactin, uh, but we also know that if you keep estrogen within reasonable levels, prolactin is much less of a problem to manage. So if you're doing a test and DECA cycle, low test, high DECA, does work very, very well. Um, But it all depends on the individual. Some people are more sensitive to DHN than others. Um, Others are less. So it would depend on the individual, their experiences, how sensitive they are to estrogen and stuff like that. 
Um, Testin Tren is another prime one. So Tren increases estrogen receptor sensitivity, which means your normal levels of estrogen that you can tolerate when you add Tren to that mix, they may become problematic. So again, this is another way you could look at a cycle that possibly running lower tests would be beneficial. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with a test-only cycle as long as you manage it correctly. And this is what it all boils down to. It boils down to the management of the drugs. Of recent years, there has, as in the last probably couple of years, and I'm a big fan of, of, of low-test, high-decker cycles uh, for off-season, there's been this move towards running compounds at lower levels, like running tests at lower levels, but again, that's about understanding the compounds. So when we look at TEST and DECA, we see that, that DECA is more anabolic, it's less androgenic, and as a result, it's going to have a less stressful impact on the body, which is what makes it such a good bulking drug. What, we comp, we know training, go on. What would be your, your balance then if you were to, because you said that you know, you've, you've liked off-season low test with higher deca i would generally generally sit at 250 to 300 mega test and i would push that up to as much as 900 mega deca okay and and people you're finding Um, fine with that they're not getting because the main thing is libido concerns they they you will get some that have a few sort of not so much libido issues but the edge goes um, you'll get a, a lesser percentage. You'll get the odd one or two that do have problems with a bleeder, but for the vast majority, they cope with it very, very well. Um, if you're going to go higher than that with a decade, then I would possibly look at running a bit more tests. Um, but um, so, but then again, it, it's down to the individual and where you want to go. It's also just down to you know managing the compounds you're using. The, the the I suppose one of the issues with the low test, I should say one of the benefits of the low test approach is it's much easier for people to manage that cycle because we know estrogen is going to be relatively low. We know we don't need a huge amount of estrogen management where if you're running 750 a gram of test, then people start to struggle then as to how much estrogen management do I need? Where's my sweet spot? What do I do? Um, which is a lot easier to deal with when you're on a fixed low level. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, I just thought of something I wanted to mention. I told you about this the other day. We should give a shout out. I want. I shouldn't say we should. I want to give a shout out. Uh, I was looking over at our iTunes, Dave, and uh, I looked at the reviews, and I saw we have iTunes. One. Yeah, of course. We've dude. We've always been on iTunes. Um, in fact, we have more uh, stuff, more following on iTunes than we do on YouTube. Um, but check this out. We got a review from, oh, I didn't I didn't copy the whole thing. I got to hit more here. But well, you can see. You're useless. You can see well, the well, question here. Why, why are we only 4.9 out of 5? This is your fault. <laughs> if you went on the show, we'd be 5. Somebody gave us a 2 stars. Huh. How Dude, about that? Shoot them. Find know. them and shoot them. Okay, so I, I, I pressed the more button so I could read the rest of this view. This review, uh, you can't see your name at the bottom because she, but it says, okay, I'll just read it. This is from Missy Trescott. She's Miss Fitness Olympia. The Miss Fitness Olympia. Well, I think the Miss Fitness O bit on the right sort of <laughs> gave that away a bit, Scott, to be honest. She said, hey, guys, love the pod, <laughs> super easy to follow and appreciate how you guys break down information. 
thank you for putting out great content and answering listener questions. I'm always learning new stuff, techniques from you guys. And thanks for the laughs. Free Fuddy, we need him back. Ha <laughs> ha. Missy Trescott, Miss Fitness Olympia. You know what? I think we should have podcast battles with another podcast. What do you mean? So we, well, what we'll do is we have our listeners. So we will put pictures of our listeners up. Oh. They put pictures of their listeners up <laughs> and the best physique wins and therefore the best podcast wins. Okay. Because yeah. I actually think pound for pound, our quality of bodybuilder that tunes to doors is actually probably quite good. Dude, we have some freaking awesome, and, and including, we have some awesome female listeners that have physiques that are outstanding. Uh, Martina mm. Yabakova, she's an mm -hmm. Olympia-level figure competitor and a really cool lady. She lives out in Vancouver, has a cool gym out there, and she, she gets in incredible shape, too. So... It's cool to hear these people uh, listening to the show, man. It, it made me really excited to see that. So thank you, Missy. We appreciate you. Let's see if I can pull up another question here. Dave and Scott. Okay. Um, are you able to give a full procedure on how effective, to, uh, excuse me, how to effectively use Oxy for pre-workout, e.g. take it with food or empty stomach, how long before the gym, et cetera? Is it better? When we kind of talked about this, is it better to split up the dose or run with stable levels? Let's just talk about timing then. That's the only thing I think we haven't answered here then. How long before your workout, if you were to use it, would be good timing? 44 minutes and 32 seconds. Whew. Get out your timers, people. Um, so Oxy, like most orals, is fat-soluble. So you can take it with food, but chances are you're going to lose some of its bioavailability. So I would opt for either empty stomach or take it with a healthy fat. So shoving it down with a couple of fish oil tablets is actually quite good practice. Um, generally, I'd look at somewhere around 45 minutes to an hour pre, but there'll be a bit of fine tuning for everybody. Um, several aspects will affect this, i.e. how empty was your stomach prior, you know, how long before did you eat, some things like that, your your general digestive movement. So, but uh, normally around 45 minutes to an hour seems to be the sweet spot for most people. Hmm. All right. Yeah, we talked a lot about that one already, so I'll move on here. Um, hey, Scott, I'm very confused about this. Got blood work done and my estrogen came back uh, as unobtainable due to unknown foreign substance. Any idea? At the time, I was using 600 milligrams of test and, uh, excuse me, in 600 EQ, 12.5 aromasin and every every day, and 20 milligrams of Novadex. That sounds like a sample contamination issue rather than ah. anything to do with the cycle or what he's doing. It sounds like, I'd be interested to know, was the blood drawn by a professional? Was it a home draw? Was it a finger prick? How, how was the blood obtained? But that suggests that there was uh, an issue with the sample draw. Um, that could be that it was placed in the wrong tube. Oh. So... You may have noticed when you get bloods done that they go in different colored tubes. Yes. The reason the reason for this is that those tubes have certain additives. 
So different color tubes are used to sustain different tests. No kidding. So for argument's sake, if you did a, a lilac top um, and you send that in for hormone testing, there would be some hormones they wouldn't be able to achieve from that. So your hormones go in a gold or a yellow top uh, because the additive's in there to preserve the blood to, for, to perform those tests. Ah. So for argument's sake, glucose goes in a gray top. Um, so if you didn't put your sample in a glytox, then a glucose test would not be viable because the additives destroy the sample and don't allow it to be testable for certain tests. Hmm. So there's a potential it's it's in the wrong tube. There's been some issue with the draw or the sample being taken or somehow the samples got contaminated or damaged en route. Um, we often find as well that if samples get exposed to heat or, or predominantly heat, or they spend too long in transit that the sample will deteriorate. And as a result, um, they will um, not be able to pull the full range of results off that blood. So somebody messed up is what you're saying. But that's how that reads to me more than anything that, yeah, there's somebody messed up. I don't think he's got some weird shit floating around in his blood that's caused these bloods to be untestable. Yeah, we had some uh, people in the comments speculating that maybe it was one of the other compounds. It didn't sound like anybody was certain of their thoughts with that. Uh, but I mean, I know I've tested test levels while I'd been on EQ, and I could I could see that, and I could see my estrogen. Um, I mean, I, I've seen yeah, things like trend mess up estrogen levels, but it doesn't come back unreadable. It just comes back way off the charts. Yeah, and I've I've seen EQ not show on a test. Um, but I've not seen it come back. I've not seen it disrupt estrogen. Yeah. All right. I don't see it. I'll see so, it Ooh, this is a long one, Dave. I'm gonna have to blow this up to read it. Hey, Scott, big fan of the shows. Question for you and Dave from Merseyside. Is that I say that right? Merseyside. 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 Liverpool. Oh, okay. I know Liverpool just because I'm from the U.S., so I know the Beatles. That's it. Um, I'm currently on, oh, this is another U.K. term. I'm currently on a tidy up slash cut, um, taking 800 milligrams mm -hmm. of test, 60 milligrams of oral winstrel, have done around seven to eight cycles over the past 10 years, and have used test, trend, oxys, d-ball, winnie, deca, clen, in the past however i keep things very simple these days and just use test and an oral when i cycle due to priorities changing and no longer wanting to compete um he's now more of a recreational bodybuilder prior to starting my cut i decided to try and grow my hair he had his hair short and shaved for the last 15 years my question is i've noticed that i'm balding at the crown however i feel like over this cycle, I've seen a bit more hair loss on the top. If I were to stop the winstrel, how long would it take for my DHT levels to reduce and hopefully slow down this hair loss? I realize that in my late 30s now, uh, thinning hair is something that genetically might be on the cards for me, but I enjoy my long, luscious locks. He didn't say long, luscious locks, but he said longer hair. Thanks, Andy. I suspect you've more got a problem with the 800 mega test than you have with the, the, the Winstrel, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, when he'll be out, in a, when he'll be out in a few days, um, I very much don't think that's the driving factor. 
Um, I would suspect that your driving factor is 800 milligrams of testosterone, which is converting to DHT, and you have no regulation over those DHT levels because nobody has. Uh, obviously, you can slow DHT conversion down by running um, and you know 5-alpha reductase, um, by stopping 5-alpha reductase, should I say, um, through something like finasteride or dusasteride. But... Um, to actually manage DHT levels when on test is is virtually impossible. Um, you can lower them, but but to whereas with a DHT drug, you actually have finite control of where your DHT levels are because you can reduce the DHT dose directly. Sure. Um, but I would suspect that's more down to test. Yeah, yeah. So long if he's in his thirties, he said. I believe if he wanted to. If he wanted to make that a project, he could use a DHT blocker and plan to stay on it, and he'd have a better chance. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, um, you know, he he can add in a DHT blocker. I would be more tempted to try and use a topical one rather than start messing around with uh, my five AR. Um, so I would probably look at a DHT blocking or a topical cream, shampoo, that sort of thing. Did we talk about over- my? Uh- my protocol here before uh we've touched on this a few times but i don't know if you've discussed your protocol it probably involves about 33 different things knowing you uh 34 actually yeah perfectly timed you got to take one like 45 seconds before you train another one is 44 minutes and 30 seconds after you train uh just five milligrams of minoxidil pre uh, excuse me, in the morning and in the evening. In the second dose of minoxidil, I use uh, one milligram of finasteride. So uh, talking okay. to some of our listeners, they actually have a prescription topical finasteride now. It's not very popular yet, but you can get it. And uh, But it, it's just as easy to get the tablets and drop them into the liquid version of minoxidil, not the foam version. Obviously, you can't mix those in. But that's that's it, man, and it's it's simple. And yeah, the the, the, the only the only thing issue. that puts me off five AR blockers like Finasteride is, is this element of risk of being of permanently shutting five AR down. You only get a topical effect from it, though. They're they're finding you don't get the same Finasteride syndrome and and stuff like that. So it seems to be. No. I mean, I can't. I have to imagine, Dave, that some of that gets absorbed in. You know what I mean, but you're still only using one milligram. It's just on your scalp, and I. Uh, oh right, so you're sorry. I didn't register. I so you're diluting that with with the yeah. yes, and then applying it liberally. Yep. The the so the minox still comes in a couple forms. They have the foam, which mm-hmm. technically is supposed to work better, uh, absorb better to your hair. But then they also have one that's in a PEG liquid, and you just take those oh, tablets. Right, okay drop them right in there 60 milligrams into a 60 dose bottle and you're good that's it it's cheap now too here in the u.s now that the patent is is up oh hey we got nick wary with us what's up nick says uh if i ever jump on stage again i'm gonna have to look into that topical so nick wary is a competitive eater is he yeah yeah what a what a legend what an absolute legend. He just got third in the world at the New York Nathan's uh, hot dog eating contest. Now, is that hot dog and hot dog bun or just hot dog? 
they do the bun because I, I I believe so. Nick can correct it. I'm going to talk to him next week, but um, we're going to have him on a show because he's also a really good bodybuilder. Um, but I've seen. Have you seen the videos where they dip them in water? Yeah, you know that's gross, yeah. man. So you can get the bread down. Um, so Nick doesn't have a problem in in bulking, then I would assume. <laughs> I bet not, dude. That's what I wanted to talk to him about, man. Do you think you could do that, Dave? How many hot dogs do you think you could eat? Oh, God, not on the par with. I used to coach a guy who was an ex professionally, uh, and I could not fill him up. He ended up being on an astronomical amount of Carolines. Hey, forty-four so, hot dogs and buns. What what kind of time frame is that, Nick? How long was that? Dude, I couldn't imagine doing that hey. in a 24-hour period. Can you put ketchup on them? You don't have the time, man. Here's my last hot dog well, you story. Didn't, no, I, you didn't say it was speed. You just said it. I just thought it was the total amount. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it had to be within a certain time frame, but I didn't think it 10 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. No, no. I'm, I'm, no, I couldn't do that. I mean, I've, I've done a... I've done a um, 72 ounce steak in how long in 30 minutes 30 that's minutes. that's a lot of steak man and i wasn't i wasn't really pushing it if i was honest i mean i wouldn't shave the <laughs> huge amount of time off but i could probably got it down five or five or eight minutes quicker i remember uh i was at costco and they have this big sign with hot dog on it and it says 99 cents you get a hot dog and a drink and i was feeling like hungry like i should have eaten before i went grocery shopping so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get two of those. This looks so good. And I ate both of them. And I have not eaten a hot dog since my stomach felt so crappy after that. It was disgusting, man. Um, when I was uh, 17, um, I was living in Blackwood in New Jersey. Yeah. And you remember when McDonald's used to do like the 29 cent burger days and What's stuff cool? like this? Oh, yeah. So I would literally go and buy 20 burgers and sit there and eat a lot. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> okay, this was, here's a question from one of our regular guys. He comments uh, on every episode. Scylla. He says, uh, anabolic cabbage head check-in. Hello, Scott and Dave, my gurus. I have a question. I'd like to use long esters test E and EQ for 12 weeks, uh, doing every fourth day, 300 and 300 of each to avoid too much aromatization. Will it be better to use every second day, 150 milligrams? So basically every other day, uh, 150 and 150. Will that help with aromatization a bit? Can I do smaller doses every second day with longer esters to maintain or to, to help drop or reduce aromatization? But I'm listening. Oh, I figured I'd stop there because he, he asked a little bit about ADEX too. Yeah, he said, uh, what's your recommendation for Arimidex with the stack per week? Thanks for your knowledge you're bringing to the industry let the force be with you oh dave was like doing shit he was talking to people no i wasn't like doing shit you still are aren't you are you doing shit dave this is no i'm i'm thinking oh okay you know right i'm just 
it's very difficult. I, I, and it's something I want to look at actually is how injection frequency affects aromatization. Okay. Um, I know that the, the single shot approach with the higher peaks does trigger more aromatization than um, a more stable level. Um, but how much that carries over is difficult at this moment for me to really quantify it. I don't honestly know. Because um, there's so many factors that affect aromatization, a body fat level being one, you know, stuff like that. So it, it's difficult to say um, person to person because of how all these factors change. So, you know, you can have someone that's doing a single, single shot a week. Um, and then you have someone who's doing three, four multiple shots a week. And yet the, the aromatizations are completely different because one's fatter or one's leaner or one just naturally has higher levels of aromatase or one uses, you know, there's, there's a longer history of usage prior, which has affected how these conversions take place as well. But on the basis of it, theory wise, the less your bloods peak and the more gradual you re that reach that plateau, the less aromatization you should create. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if he's had issues in the past and that's his reason for wanting to do this. Um, and then what about the, uh, the Arimidex? I think he's, he has I, I would, I would, I would start with Novadex, uh, just as a sort of coverall for gyno. Um, and then, I would, to be honest, if it was me, about four weeks, I'd test metering levels and see where they are. Yeah. Rather than trying to guess. Yeah. I mean, you could run a low dose as just a bit of a coverall, but I would test and fine tune it. And I think that's where a lot of us, I mean, an estrogen test isn't an expensive test. Um, it's a single hormone. It's not going to be a lot of money. I know he's um, Eastern Europe. Would that matter? No, they seem to have decent access to testing okay. uh, within reason. I've got quite a few Eastern Europe uh, clients, and they always seem to be able to get bloods pulled when I need them to. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, it's not a huge, huge thing um, to get your Eastern levels test, and I would rather be accurate or in the ballpark accurate than than, than just be throwing anti-ease at stuff and not really know where I am with it all. I'll tell you what, man, I didn't use any Arimidex in my first three cycles then I discovered Arimidex basically is what it came down to. And I feel that my progress halted for a period of time because I did overdo it. And that's the thing, you know, there are sweet spots. You know, if you're cutting, you're going to run your estrogen lower. If you're bulking, you're going to run your estrogen higher. But this all boils down to personal tolerances with side effects. You know, I know people that get gyno at 200, what would uh, be equivalent to 200 UK, whereas... I could run at three, three and a half and, and have no sensitivity of my nipples whatsoever. So, you know, it, it's everybody is different in, in how they tolerate estrogen. Yeah. Uh, but as a hormone, um, it, it's sorely ne neglected uh, in how well it contributes to growth. Yeah. Uh, and, and how much it plays a positive role in cholesterol management and things like that. I think people are becoming more aware than they used to be like a decade ago. We just thought of estrogen as the enemy. Yeah, and I think to a degree that's still felt of that way. Um, I think people are slowly getting more educated on the topic of estrogen, but I do think it, it's it's definitely regarded as as the bad cousin. Yeah, 
All right. I'm going to see if I can pick one more question here. I'm looking for see if I can find a good one. Dave, tell a story while I uh, while I look for like a really good one here. You got a story? A story. Well, I saw a story. I don't know. Uh, what do you got for us? You did tell us a good Nothing ghost story really. the other week. Yeah, I'm good. did I tell you the ghost story about the nightclub? No. So I used to work in a nightclub, um, and it used to be an old cinema. Um, and it burnt down, or it had a bad fire. Uh, at the point of the bad fire, the projectionist was killed. He was in the projection room, and he, he was caught inside, and he died. And at the end of the night, I used to go around with the chains and lock the fire exits up. Yeah. So I'd gone down the back, and it was a bit creepy and dark and spooky down this back steps, to be honest. It was a very old building. So I'd gone down these back steps, I'd locked the bottom fire doors, and I'm coming up, I've got like three or four chains with padlocks on over my shoulder. Uh, and I've got my head down, and I'm just bimbling up the steps, thinking nothing of it. And you know when you just sense there's somebody in front of you? Yes, I do. You yeah, you haven't seen them. And, and, so, and I'm walking up, and I just stopped. And I thought, I just, I, I looked up expecting to see somebody there, and there was nobody there. Yeah. But I, I felt I had to step to the side and walk around. So I did, and when I passed the next two two three steps it went freezing cold and then i bottled on my way now at this point i didn't know the history of the building so i knew it was an old cinema but i didn't know that somebody had died in it yeah uh and i spoke to one of the restaurant manageresses and i just said you know just had this weird sensation on those back steps and she says yeah right above you there is where the projection room was okay and what happened in the projection uh, so there you go. what happened in the projection the guy room? died how did that he was die? where the guy died what did he die from he was burnt to death Oh, so oh God! Shut up, you! I was looking at the questions. Sorry. I didn't hear the very beginning of the story. I got to be honest. <laughs> All right. So there was a fire. I and the projectionist was caught in the projection room yes. and died. Okay. I was trying to like be slick and find that question while you were telling the story, and I was reading. All right. So I, I, we did have like six, seven, eight questions left. So I'm sorry, guys, we couldn't get to all of them. But I thought this one would be something that the most amount of people could benefit from. And I missed Dave's story in order to find it for you. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the story. Okay. How would you generally structure a one year for your athletes to build the most amount of muscle? Uh regarding time of blast and cruise versus coming off completely. And he gives us an example, like blast for nine months and doing PCT and recover for three months, blast for four months, bridge for six weeks, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I did ask him a couple follow-up questions. He said he's, I believe, in his 30s now. Uh, he doesn't plan on coming off. He plans on cruising, going to TRT, and accepting that as being his fate in in life i i think that's that's the pivotal question here is is yeah. are you are you trt or are you pct <clears throat> nine months on a blast and then pct is a push um you are risking recovery if you are keen to to maintain your recovery for sure uh, that is a long time to be shut down and successfully recover from and you the problem is that if you're then the intention is to come off and stay off for a period of time. Your your poor recovery is going to have negative impact on the muscle mass you've gained, and you're most likely going to lose some. So I don't see much 
benefit to a longer blast if you're going to PCT over doing a shorter blast than your traditional sort of 12 week, 12 week scenario. Yeah. That works very well and it works very well for a reason. That's why it's used. If you're TRTing, I find two ways you can approach this. You can do a fixed cycle. Um, generally 12, 16 weeks and then six to eight weeks in a PCT with blood support if you're viable for going back on. Or you can do a much more uh, suck it and see approach where you start your cycle and basically you come off when your cycle tells you you've been on too long. Hmm. I, you start to feel the negative effects and then you come off until your bloods are fresh and you feel better and then you go back on again. Um, that, that time period can be anything from two months to seven months yeah you know i've i've after having quite a period of time off and being particularly fresh and particularly fit i physically fit um i've 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 maintained six seven month cycles um with very little negativity until the very back end so it does vary incredibly depending on the layup to the person how physically fit the person is how healthy the person is um and it's not really something that has a like just yes. their growth response too. I've seen a, a guy I work with who has done incredible without gear. We add the cycle and then after eight weeks, it's pretty much time to stop. Like it, it had nothing to do with like his, you know, the, like an, an inferior training. He's a, he's a hard worker. Uh, he, you know, he's pushing the food, but just after eight weeks, it seems like, you know, we, we he's run its course and he works better with like a shorter eight week blast and a little time off and then a shorter eight week blast and a little time off versus, yeah, man, I've, I myself could say that I've done 20 and felt like I progressed throughout. Okay. We're mm-hmm. going to wrap up. Why? Because you're busy. You have stuff to do and you're already doing I'm not it. Busy this is what I'm were you not, looking I'm at? Just, I'm listening to what you said. What were you looking at right now, Dave? What, what what do you look at? You look leaner. Computer screens. Are you are you dieting? You know I am. How are you doing with that? Because you look leaner. Like I see it. I'm I'm still a fat fuck. <laughs> Maybe it's because you were stretching your um, neck out when you're leaning forward. Yeah. <laughs> we just got a good cover shot for the for the show. Um. <laughs> I've lost uh, in pounds. I've lost thirty-five pounds. Nice, but I am still a disgustingly fat fuck. Um, no, um, yeah, it's I, I, one of the problems I find with cycle planning is people feel they must stick to what they've planned, mm. uh, and you do need to have an element of adaptability and an element of review and respond. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's where some people probably push when they shouldn't um, and when they would actually benefit to back off and then take some downtime and then push again. And it actually, generally speaking, it ends up being more productive. Yeah. I would agree, man. All right, let's wrap this thing up for real, though. Uh, guys, if we couldn't get to your questions, you know, we apologize. We tried to get to as many as we could. We obviously only have so much time. Dave and I are basically working full time and then on the computer 
and then we stop and then we start recording and then guess what we go back to working so uh i will suggest if you guys want to do any kind of consultations with either dave or i reach out uh i've got our our contact information you can click down below uh, as well as for coaching, check out Eval, get all your blood work done for those of you in the UK. And of course, check out our awesome sponsor, True Nutrition, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. You can support our programming there. You can support the network through Patreon. And you can put a smile on my face if you tell Dave to f off today. Why? Just because it would make me. It would make my heart warm if somebody just gave you some shit. I don't like your Yeah, cat. I must admit, you tend to get most of the shit these days. It's fucking great. <laughs> I, I spent years of getting shit constantly. When um, we first started, And I do apologize. Um, I must apologize. Um, the reason I was slightly distracted in that last question was a set of bloods just arrived on the other monitor, and they are horrendous. Ooh. We'll get to it, man. They are particular. So they are. They, that was, I was just like, oh, fuck. I need to deal with that. Um, but no. Um, yeah, it's it's quite strange. Generally, people are nice to me now, and they give you shit. And, and yet, you're the nicey-nicey guy, and I'm the old grumpy fart. So Dude, I, I don't like think... That. I think we should continue this way. Because we give each other shit, and I'm constantly like going after you, I think that people feel defensive of you sometimes. I yeah, well, you bully me. <laughs> you know, what... Guys... I'm just trying to keep up with you. No. See, what he doesn't realize is, okay, he'll end this now and he'll go back to his day and and be all happy in his mansion and all the rest of it (laughs) and his own subterranean fucking commercial-sized gym and his collection of 93 million guns and his stupid fucking mini. Um, And I I will go back to my wooden shack with my, my, my wife in rags and my no shoes and, and, and just, you know, cry. Because he's been so insulting. Yeah, Dave- I just literally cry. I just sob because he's been so mean. And, and now now I'm going to be super conscious that I'm fat because he's made a comment on my weight. So I'm not going to eat now for I'll, a week. I'll text Dave and I'll be like, hey, Dave, I hope you're having a good day. And then he'll send me a voice memo back like this. Fuck off, Scott. That's ev- That's what I deal with every day. Fuck off, Scott. Yeah, because you you text me and go, I'm having a super fab good day driving around in my Ferrari that I've got for my patronage and the monetization of the show that I give you absolutely fuck all of. Um, I'm just out with my bitches and, and hanging, and then I'm going to go to my yacht later. And and I'm like, uh? Wait, did you just call Victoria a bitch? Because she would not like that. No, no. And she likes you, Dave. You know I wouldn't call Victoria. I have a great respect for Victoria. I just don't understand why she's with you. <laughs> All right. Before we take this thing any further, guys. Nick, you can do much better, love. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. As always, another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye.